Anybody told anybody about Jesus this week? If you did, say amen. Anybody going to tell somebody about Jesus this week? Amen. You know, you know why you're thankful, right? It's not because you got stuffing and turkey and cranberries, too many calories and stretchy pants. It's not because of that. I'm thankful because I am blessed because of God in my life. Right? You could have been born at any time, at any moment, anywhere, but you were born now for this moment at this time, and you are living in the United States of America. I don't know about you, but you should be thankful. Man, I, I've been on trips before. I've gone to other places, and I've done a ministry here and there, and we are a blessed country. It is unreal, unrealistic. That's part of the reason why we're a bunch of spoiled babies. That's a part of the reason why we always think that our rights are above everything else. Our rights are over even protecting other people. Our rights are whatever. That, that's a whole other uh, sermon for another day. But we are, we should be thankful people because we have God no matter where we live. But we should be extra thankful because of where we live and who we are and the time that we live in. You know, this time, it might be scary in a lot of ways, but God chose you to be alive right now for a reason. So what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, my name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible in case you came late today and I introduced myself at the beginning. Uh, just a quick announcement. Now that there's more people here, there's no Wednesday night service um, because Thanksgiving's the next day, so we usually just cancel it. So there's no youth, nothing. It's, it's closed. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. Amen? And uh, if you don't have anywhere to go or you want to be here, we have a Thanksgiving meal that we serve hundreds of people every single Thanksgiving. If you want to serve, call the church office. We'd love for you to serve if we have an opportunity for you uh, to serve. And there's not all the spots filled, but it's a great opportunity. If you want to come to the Thanksgiving meal, call the church office too. We'll get you a reservation so we make sure we have enough food. It's absolutely amazing. We do it. We've done it for years upon years and years. Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. Because you know what? The holidays for a lot of us is a great time. And for others, it's a very hard time. So nobody, nobody should be alone on those times. And we want you to come to be with us. And we can give you the love of God. And we can also give you more calories than you can even eat. Praise God. All right, this morning we're going to continue our series titled, Fear Not, Understanding the Times. So uh, last week we got into God's Word. And we understood that God's word is not just a story for humanity's redemption. It is, but that's not the only reason. And it's not just about God's perfect love, but the Bible is also a book full of prophecy as well. Yeah. Amen. Anybody here last week? Yeah. Amen. That was good. So the definition of prophetic is, quote, accurately describing or predicting what will happen in the future. Now, there's around a 1,000 prophecies that appear in the pages of the Bible. 27%, which for you math people, that is more than one-fourth of the entire Bible is prophetic. Not pathetic, prophetic, okay? It matters how you spell. I am, I am the worst speller, I guarantee it, right? See, Paul is the chief of sinners, and I'm the chief of bad spellers. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, my girl, me too. Two O's, I do know that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Um, the Bible is unique among religious books because of its prophecy. Here's what I believe God wants to do this morning, and I hope you agree as well. Uh, he wants to do what he did with us like last week. Our hearts to be stirred. Make us want to understand more about the times that we're living in, right? You cannot keep coasting. You can't keep ignoring. You can't keep just sitting in your holy huddle waiting for Christ to return. You got to get to work, okay? Amen. Amen? I pray that this stirs your hearts as we search God's scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to give us revelation. Last week we talked about just a few prophecies that recently have been fulfilled. This morning, we're going to talk about two more recent prophecies that have been fulfilled. And then before we go, we're going to discuss some current deceptions that are going on right now. Anybody excited? Okay, good. I am. I did a lot of studying this week because I believe God has an amazing thing for us this morning. Uh, here's another recent prophecy that has been fulfilled. Some of you may remember the Iron Curtain 
falling from the Soviet Union that we now call Russia. Anybody remember that in 1989? I was seven, so I vaguely remember, but I do remember it went on as I got older and it was still talked about. I vaguely remember the Iron Curtain falling for the Soviet Union. See, when this happened, another prophecy for Israel was fulfilled. No one living in Russia or the USSR, which I remember learning about in our textbooks, for many, many, many years could even leave the country to visit, could even leave the country to go live somewhere else. They did not let people out. This included the Jews living in the North Country as well. Well, that was until the Iron Curtain fell in 1989 and many fled to their homelands. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 and 8, it says this. Now, this is what the Lord says. Sing for joy. Sing with joy for Israel. Shout for the greatest of nations. Shout out with praise and joy. Save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel. For I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind and the lame and expectant mothers and the women in labor. A great company will return. Since 1989, 1.7 million Jews from Moscow and other cities in the country of Russia have immigrated to Israel. Now there's 9 million people living in Israel right now. 1.7 million, which is almost 20% from the north. Russian Jews. Almost 20% of those 9 million are people from the north country that have migrated since 1989. That prophecy has been fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? You want another one? Okay, let's do one more before we get into current end time deceptions. One of the most prophetic books in the Bible is the book of Daniel. Many end time prophecies are in the Old Testament book written around 600 BC. It's around 600 years before Christ even came on the scene here on earth. The purpose of the book of Daniel is this, to give a historical count of the faithful Jews who lived in captivity and to show how God is in control of the heavens and the earth. Also to show that God is in control of the forces of nature, destinies of nations, the care of his people, and all future events that are to come. That's the purpose of the book of Daniel. Daniel tells us we are living in the end times because he says two things. Travel will increase and so will knowledge. Okay, Daniel chapter 12, we're going to read the first four verses right here. Daniel 12, verses 1 through 4. This is an Old Testament book and it says this. At the time Michael, which is the archangel, who stands guard over the nation will arise. Then there'll be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at the time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Praise God, written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. All right, number two. Many of those whose bodies lay dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Verse three. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, will keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, right? So what's the time of the end? It says when. So it's telling us. When many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Rush here and there. Okay, before modern travel, the average person can travel 20 to 30 miles in a day. Either by foot or by an animal. The train, then trains came out in the early 1800s, right? It just kept going and going. Automobiles came out in the late 1800s. Then airplanes were invented in the early 1900s. Then in the 1960s, the average person could begin to travel commercially by air travel. Now, I personally just got back from Spain about a week and a half ago, and we traveled more than 10,000 miles in that um, in the airplane, or in the airport, in the airplanes, one day we traveled 5,000 miles and we had multiple stops. And if we would have just fueled up and then went again and fueled up and went again, we could have went way, 
way further than 5,000 miles in one day. See, travel is not only common now, but it has also become extremely easy as well. And if you're rich enough, you can travel to space. But humans can't travel into deep water yet. That's not safe enough. I hope that's not too soon, if y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Weird laugh. (laughs) Pastor, too soon. Okay. But church, there's no denying in the last 60 years, rushing here and there has exponentially increased. Amen? Amen. How about knowledge? Has knowledge increased? It has, although there's a lot of dumb people. Okay, I'm going to step out of the pulpit and say that. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Okay. I remember when my dad came home with our first ever computer, our first ever PC in the mid-1990s. I thought, man, that thing is cool and way confusing. What on earth is it? There was so much technology to learn in the 1990s. Anybody remember the 1900s? Some of y'all weren't even born then. You're like, 1900, you are old. Yeah, I got gray hair to prove it. So on this computer, we could play terrible games over and over again. All right, insert floppy disk number three, right? And it's like, eh, eh, eh. oh, please insert floppy disk number four. Okay, put it out, put the new one in, then you can keep playing. Oh, by the way, anybody like playing Oregon Trail? I got one up on you. I played Oregon Trail when I lived in Oregon. (laughs) That's it. But I didn't go out and shoot a buffalo, and I didn't get dysentery, and I didn't get a snake bite. I'm still here today. Praise God. I'm going to give a testimony. I didn't break a bone and die, and my wagon didn't break a wheel. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. But I remember playing these, these games, and we, you played with the space bar and, and the little keypad on your keyboard, right? That's how you did it. <laughs> oh, right. Everybody drowned in your family. Ah, oh, I knew I should have spent the extra money, right? Okay, you all get it anyway. Some of y'all don't get it. Okay. Play the game. It's really fun, actually. Um, But it it was weird. And then we got on this thing called the internet. Whatever that is. Right? The internet. And you're like, hey, don't get on the phone. I'm on the internet. Remember that? (laughs) Ah, you broke it. You broke my signal. Now I'm off. I don't know what's going to happen. Right? But very soon, many of us would fall in love with AOL Messenger. That's the grandfather to modern texting. Hallelujah. You got mail. Amen. I forgot about that. Wow. Now I, you're bringing it back, brother. You're bringing it back. You got mail. Some of y'all don't get it. You just run outside. You're like, where? But with the invention of the World Wide Web, from AOL dial-up to fiber optic to now 5G on our phones, we have access to any and all knowledge we could ever desire. We can now get our hands on almost any subject that we're interested in with just a few typed words and then press the button search or go. Now in the year of 2023, the world of knowledge has AI. And I'm not talking about the 90s basketball player with that sick crossover with the cornrows, right, with the sweet handles. That's called Allen Iverson, okay? This is a different AI that was not available to us this time last year, but is now available to us this time this year. You know, some people are concerned about AI, right? I just want you to know, I haven't got one sermon, and I never will get a sermon from AI. I will search God's scripture. Amen. Amen. Okay. But there are pastors that go golfing all week long or go hang out and then they just get on and they ask AI for a sermon and then they just preach it. It's sad. Imagine the time that AI doesn't actually have good and solid doctrine and they start preaching it from the pulpit. Right? Okay. AI, in my opinion, is something to really pray about because it has incredible potential for blessings and has incredible potential for end time control and destruction. For the first time in human history, humans are no longer the most intelligent entity on planet Earth. AI can think 100,000 times faster than a human can. It doesn't have to sleep, eat, rest, or even go on vacation. 
AI has more potential for good and evil than any invention this world has ever seen. Here's my opinion. AI was created for one major purpose, for mankind to create its own God. Here we go again, Tower of Babel 2.0. Coming together as one to rule. And now, it's very potential it could be AI. See, everything is rapidly increasing when it comes to knowledge, including nanotechnology, medical advancements, computer automation, and even AI. The days of the encyclopedia salesmen are far removed, church. But please, please, please keep selling them Girl Scout cookies. Those thin mints and those peanut butter ones, ooh-wee. Mmm. Mmm. Mm -mm. Are they called tagalongs? Is that right? Which ones are the peanut butter ones? Peanut butter bats. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Amen. They taste better in the fridge, by the way. Okay. Moving on. Okay, let's go back to Daniel chapter 12. All right. So the angel Michael says to Daniel, we now are living in the end times when we see knowledge increase and travel increase. Church, this is not to scare you. It's not to scare you. Sometimes we get scared because we don't understand. Or or we start mocking things because we don't understand. Or we, we get disgruntled because we don't understand. You know what you need to do? Search it out and try to understand. Then you'll change how you react. This is not to scare you. The prophet Daniel did not understand the exact meaning of the time and the events he had in this vision that he had. But we can now see them in our day. As current events continue to unfold, they keep showing us that we're living in these times that were prophesied about thousands of years ago. Amen. The Bible says there are times of great suffering ahead, but fear not. Jeremiah 37 says this, in all history, there's never been such a time of terror. It'll be a time of trouble for My people, Israel, yet in the the end, they will be saved. Amen? Amen. All right, will you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24? If you didn't bring your Bible today, this is a great place to bring your Bible. It's called church, praise God. If you didn't bring one, uh, feel free to grab one. There's one in the pew for you. Those are the NLT Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. If you go about three-fourths into your Bible, it's going to be there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called the Gospels. They tell us about Jesus, stories about Jesus, and they're also uh, Matthew chapter 24. And there's also history of Jesus, and there's recordings of what Jesus said. Amen? Amen. Matthew 24. Okay, let's get into just a couple current end-time deceptions. Anybody ready? Things that we're seeing today. The Bible says, in the last days, many will be deceived. You got to hear me on this. Many will be deceived, even the very elect, even God's chosen People, even some of y'all in here today, will be deceived. Can you believe it? This is why I've said for years, the number one thing you should pray for, why we, we pray for the gifts of the Spirit, but the number one thing I, I, I encourage you to pray for in this time that we live in is the, is the gift of discernment. What is evil? What is not evil? What is right and what is wrong? What is my feelings and what is God? What is his thoughts and what are my thoughts? What are worldly things and what are godly things? What is a biblical worldview and what is a worldly worldview? Like, what is the difference? God, give me discernment to know when I'm faced with something, what is right and what is wrong. Not what somebody tells me, but God, you give me wisdom from on high. I want discernment. Amen? You got to pray for that, church. A lot of y'all are going to be deceived because you don't read your word. I don't know how many times you heard in church or how many times you got to read your word. You got to read your word. You will never know what is the truth. You'll never know God if you don't know his word. It's just the way it works. If you don't read his word, there's no wonder your life is a mess. There's no wonder. I mean, it's so simple. Your life's a mess because you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong. You think, well, God don't want to have any fun or these things in the world that I love. I get it. I get it. It says in God's word that even pleasures of this world are fun for a season, but they always end up in ruin. 
I've been there. I've been there. Anybody been there? Anybody never want to go back? Wave your hand there like you care. Hey. I don't want to go back. I want God's wisdom and I want discernment in what is right. Amen? So Bible says in the last days, many will be deceived, even the very elect, even God's chosen ones could be deceived. I'm not saying all, but there are going to be some. So let's read what Jesus prophesied. He prophesied this in Matthew 24. So 24 is the big number and the little number we're going to start on, that's a verse. The Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. That That happened way later. And the reason for that is so that way you can find where we are and we can all be in agreement at the same time. So the little one that says 21, that's a verse. We're going to start there and we're going to read through 25. And this is what Jesus says. And there will be a great time of anguish than any, at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. Verse 22, in fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Amen. Amen. Verse 23, then if anyone tells you, look, here's, Messiah, here's the Messiah, and, and there he is, don't believe it. Verse 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Verse 25, Jesus says, see, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Thank you, Jesus. If you know Jesus and you know he said it, if you know Jesus prophesied it, you better take those words to the bank. They can be counted on. They can always be trusted. Jesus keeps going and he tells us what the last days are going to be like and they're going to be like the days of Noah. So if you go down, we we ended in verse 25. The little one, go down to, to verse 37. We're going to read a few verses here. Matthew 24, verse 37 and 39. When the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Woo, we're having fun. Who cares what's going on in the world? Verse 39, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Wow. So now we have to ask the question, okay, Jesus, thank you for telling us that, but What were the days of Noah like? We have to know the answer to that question so we can understand the signs of the times when Jesus will return. So if you go to Genesis chapter 6, that's the first book of the Bible. Open all the way to the front. We're going to go to the 6th, the big number, and we're going to start in the very first verse. Genesis 6, 1 through 8 says this in the NLT. When the people began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Think about that, church. Have you known anybody to be older than 120 in the last thousand years? That was written thousands of years ago. Isn't that cool? Just that, that little thing alone is like, man, we celebrate when somebody's 100, 105. Ain't nobody getting to 120. In those days and for some time after, great Nephilites live on the earth for whenever the Son of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Verse 5, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I'm going to stop there. Remember, this is supposed to be like the time that Jesus comes back is like the time of Noah. And we're reading about the time of Noah right now. Verse 6, So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I'll destroy every living thing, all the people, large animals, the small animals, 
right? Every living thing, all the people, large animals, small animals, and scurry along the ground. And even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever even made them. Wow. Verse 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Anybody want to find favor with the Lord? Woo. Now, the people of Noah's day ignored and ridiculed his warnings. Noah built and preached for 120 years, and not one single individual outside his immediate family even believed him. Yeah, whatever, Noah. Keep building that weird thing. It has never rained before. You're crazy. No, no, you must get in the boat. God wants to save you. Whatever, we're going to enjoy what we're doing. Everything's grand. Everything's great. The people in those days were so indifferent and they were caught in all kinds of sin. So they didn't understand what was happening until it was too late. Now this is going to repeat itself in the last days before Christ's return. The heedlessness of the people in Noah's day will be duplicated in the days that our world will end. When Jesus will come back and everything will start taking place like it's been prophesied about. Now, speaking of the last days, and they're going to be like the days of Noah and the Nephilim, I'd like to expose a current deception. Here we go. The deception of aliens. Told you I'm going for it. No, I'm not talking about people from another country coming into our country from the south, north, or however, not illegal aliens. What I'm talking about is the deception of the belief of alien life form from another planet. Now, there's lots of thoughts out there like Project Blue Beam and, and a whole bunch of conspiracies, but I want to get into God's word and see what it says. The U.S. spends $22.6 billion, with a B, a year on NASA. Since the inception of our country has been doing that, $650 billion we've spent for understanding and exploring the universe beyond our earth. As humans, we are fascinated with anything beyond our imagination and even beyond our own dimension. But are aliens in the Bible? Are extraterrestrial life forms real? Now, we know the Nephilim were real in Noah's day. And we know that Jesus said in the last days, they'd be like the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, they had giants who came from fallen angels having babies with women. The giants caused all kinds of evil in that time. See, even Greek mythology, which we don't believe in, but it even attests to, Greek mythology talks about the Titans, part terrestrial, part celestial, and it confirms as well that there was something going on. The Bible teaches these giants or these Nephilim were literal physical beings produced from the union of sons of God and the daughters of men. One of the primary reasons of the flood in Noah's time was to rid the world of the Nephilim. Some of y'all haven't even heard this word before. God saw how wicked the earth had become, so God decided to wipe out every living creature on earth, everything living on earth with a flood. All that remained was Noah, his family, and the animals that were on the ark. Then in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us that the Nephilim came back in a smaller scale. So either the demons repeated their sin again with women, or there was a bloodline trait with Noah's family somewhere. We don't exactly know for sure what happened, but what we do know is there were giants in the land after the flood. The Jewish spies came back from the land, spying on the land of Canaan, and reported to Moses, there's giants in that land. We're like little grasshoppers compared to them. Do you remember that? Whatever the case was, these giants or these Nephilim were destroyed by the Israelites with the invasion of Canaan. Why are there no Nephilim for thousands of years? Here's one of the major theories it appears God has put an end to demons mating with humans by placing those demons who committed these acts in isolation until their final judgment. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 tells us that. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Also, Jude 6 says this. 
And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority God has given them, but they left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment, when they're all going to go in the lake of fire. By the way, God doesn't want anybody to die. He doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. He doesn't want anybody. The lake of fire was created for, for the devil and his demons. But unfortunately, there's people that deny Jesus. They deny and they follow their own plans and they will one day be in the lake of fire. And that breaks God's heart because that was not why he created the lake of fire. Amen? That's why we need Jesus. He says not, he prays that and, and he did all the things he had to do that not one shall perish. That's why we got to preach the good news even to the very last breath that we have. Not all demons are in prison today as some are still tormenting, possessing, and even visiting, some would say abducting, people today. The Bible teaches us that angelic beings can appear in human form. You can read that in God's word. Angelic beings speak to humans and sometimes they physically touch humans and have even ate with humans. Now, I don't get my head around all this. I don't understand everything. What I'm doing is I'm just trying to preach what the word of God says. I can't comprehend it all in my feeble mind, right? But I am trying to dig into God's word and see what it says. See, demons and fallen angels can even possess a human and torture them as well. Now, I want to say this. This is a side note, but some of y'all are, are believing in some of this end-time deception as well. You cannot be possessed by the Holy Spirit and possessed by a demon, okay? Okay? So if you are saved, that means that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think that makes any sense, do you... Okay, the Bible teaches that you are the temple of God. So if you're, you're the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you and you've been made brand new and you think that you've been possessed by a demon, what do you think, God rents out a room? That don't make any sense. Now, you can be oppressed. You can have things that happen to you in your life, and, and you can be uh, demonically influenced in certain ways, but you can't have a demon in you if the Holy Spirit lives in you. Okay? There's a lot of teachings out there that are not biblical. Get in your word, search your word, right? Find doctrine, stand on the doctrine and let the man just preach what he wants to preach and say, I'm sorry, I don't find that in the word, okay? That's for free. You're welcome, hallelujah. And if you, don't, if you have questions about that, it's mcullum at firstopenbible.com. By the way, if you ever call the church or you ever um, have all these questions and you haven't searched the word first, I just want you to know, here's the first thing I'm gonna ask you. Did you read your word and did you find an answer yet? If you didn't, what are we talking about? It's the same reason like I got up about seven years ago and said, I don't want to pray for you. I don't want to pray for you. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> if you haven't prayed for yourself yet, right? I want to pray. I'm not a priest. We don't believe in those things. I'm no higher to God than you are. It's level at the ground. If you have prayed and you want to break through, the Bible says we come together and we pray together, right? But you got to pray for your situation first. Then I want to come to you in agreement with what you've already prayed. Amen? Okay? Hallelujah. If you got a problem and you haven't searched the scriptures first, search them first, then come. We want to hear it. But if you just want an answer because you want to be lazy, that's somewhere else. Amen. All right, moving on. I want to read something. See, we don't always understand all these things. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. It's true. We're not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. So we may obey all the terms of these instructions. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them, but we are accountable and our children are accountable forever for the things that he has revealed to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29. So nevertheless, okay? See, the Bible nowhere explicitly said, oh, here's an example. Sometimes you're like, well, what are you talking about? Angels visit people. We're about to walk into the Advent season. Do you remember a host of angels, which means a whole bunch of them, appeared to who? the shepherds, and said, the Savior of the world has been born. Remember that? That's just one small example of so many 
things that have happened. Now, the Bible nowhere explicitly states that there is not living, intelligent creatures on other worlds. Nor does it state that the life on other planets is insupportable. I just want to say this. This is not a salvation issue. Try not to make it an issue. Today, I want to expose something to get you thinking on your own, biblically, Wisdom, what is going on? Why is this going on? What is this? Why are we hearing about this? Why are there unidentified flying objects that no one has ever seen or no one's ever captured, but we keep believing in these things that keep happening, but no one has ever seen them? Unidentified, right? It's literally in the word, but we want to identify them. Okay, moving on. Um, so you, you get what I'm saying? But there's these things that we, we talk about. This is not a salvation issue. I don't want you to go out and start arguing and then you get in a fight and then you leave the church and you're mad because of aliens or no aliens. It's not a salvation issue, okay? But I do need to talk about it because it's on a lot of people's minds. Nevertheless, the Bible doesn't say specifically there are not aliens outside of planet Earth, you know, or there is aliens. It doesn't say that exactly. But there are solid biblical reasons to doubt the existence of extraterrestrial life outside of angels and demons, right? These creatures that are out there somewhere. Now, I like sci-fi like the next guy, okay? I want to just list a few biblical reasons to help expose the deception. See, this is what I pray that, I pray that you do your own research after today as well. Get into God's word and do your own research, amen? Will you do that? If you will, say amen. amen. Okay, get, get into God's word and do your own research. Then also Brent is going to be going deeper into this subject. I'm going to hit high level. He's going to go low level, deeper, broader. Uh, he's going to teach on Wednesday night, the 29th, not this Wednesday. We don't have service. The following Wednesday. So I invite you all to come out at 630 in the fellowship hall for the adults. And then youth, you can watch later. We do record it. Okay? All right, let's start with this. How about the curse of sin from Adam and Eve? The curse was sin against all creation. Romans 8 tells us all of creation is groaning together because of the curse from sin. So it seems absurd that, absurd that God created other living beings on separate worlds, which was outside man's dominion, but yet suffered for man's sin. So if there are other beings, do they need a savior to redeem their kind as well? Or they looped in because they're all of creation. They're part of creation. See, God sent his only son to be human to save humans. If there are other life forms out there on other planets, did Jesus die for them as well? Do they go to hell because no one has ever reached them with the gospel? Jesus gave mankind a mandate to go into the world, the Great Commission. Go and preach, disciple, and rescue people from eternal damnation by preaching the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Jesus did not tell us to go and to do that to the ends of the galaxies. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 states that God desires all people to be saved. The word people here is in this word that's used is for human beings. Some say maybe Jesus had had to die for their sins too on their planet. There's, there's just all kinds of theories, right? But the Bible says in Colossians, the fullness of the deity of God dwelt in Jesus. So does that mean that Jesus died and rose again and it wasn't enough for other life forms that God created? Was Christ's resurrection only powerful enough to save planet Earth and its creation? That can't be because Christ is fully God. Here's another thought. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 45 that the earth is unique. God created the earth for life. God created the earth to be the location of his prized possession, his prized creation that bears his image, humans. Which means all other planets, stars, galaxies have an entirely different created purpose. Are you following along with me? Genesis 1 tells us as well that mankind was made in God's image. Male and female, he created them in God's image. We are the most precious living creature ever created. 
All things created have value, but only one life form was created in the image of God, and only one planet was created to have life, according to God's word. Here's another thought on this. God created the heavens and the earth. God created man to have dominion over the earth while God dwells in the heavens. These categories are over and over and over again in the word of God. With modern technology, we can see galaxies and stars far beyond, right? The tele, uh, with the Hubble telescope. But if we ever discover another race or another planet, then the Bible would have said or should have said, God created the heavens and the earths. But God said he created the heavens and the earth. Now, church, you will always interpret evidence in light of your worldview. And in the last days, very few people will live and think with a biblical worldview. Amen. In a way, the belief in extraterrestrial life has become a secular replacement for God. The existence of life on other planets is far more compatible with the secular naturalist worldview that the universe was formed in a big bang and it was not created. This evolutionary teaching teaches that planets gradually and randomly through millions of years took shape and somehow life began on earth. That's what it teaches. I know you say no, but that's, that's exactly what's taught in schools. I was taught that in public school. This is just a theory, but this is all we will teach you because we believe this is truth, right? Even says in the beginning, this is a theory. Just go ahead and cross that out on page one and let's just continue for the rest of your uh, childhood to teach you this junk, okay? Uh, the Bible, or the, I'm sorry, the belief of extraterrestrial life stems from the belief of evolution. As evolution teaches that the earth is just another planet formed by the Big Bang. This teaches we are just a result of chance and not design. That's what, it, that's what it teaches. Do you believe this is by chance that you're here this morning? Do you believe that you are breathing in and out by chance? Do you believe that your eyeballs see one way, flip another, and then tell your brain what you're actually seeing? Do you believe it's by chance that we're that close to the sun and not that far away that we can keep living and there are seasons that we have? Do you think it's by chance that babies are born? Do you think it's by chance that you have thoughts, feelings, a soul that you can fall in love and fall out of love? Do you think it's by chance that you are here breathing with your lungs and everything inside of you is working so you could have came in today? Do you think everything that we see in front of us is by chance? It's something to ask yourself because that's exactly what is taught. God is the one who can heal every disease. God is the one in whom all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are deposited. God is the one who can answer the fundamental questions of our existence. God, why am I here and what is my purpose? Let me help somebody today. The purpose of your life is to find God and give him glory. That's the purpose. Of, that's the simplest thing I can tell you right now. What's the purpose of my life? It's to find God and to give him glory. When you find that, everything else will fall in line. God's the one who can answer the fundamental questions of our existence. God alone possesses the gift of eternal life. Church, the truth is not out there. The truth is in here, right? Amen? I remember the 90s show, The X-Files. Anybody know how to do that sound? I don't even remember the beginning, but you hear it and you're like, oh, I know what that is, right? It's so intriguing. And the truth is out there. No, no, no. The truth is found in God's word. Now, it's not surprising that the unbelieving scientist would feel a sense of cosmic loneliness, having rejecting his creator. But we're not alone in this universe. Church, there is God. God created us for fellowship with him. Thus, we have an innate need for him and for our purpose. That's why everybody's searching for something. Now, a biblical worldview points to the conclusions like this. Creation has a design and it has a purpose. 
If you won't cry out to God, the rocks will. If you won't cry out, the mountains will. If you won't worship, the trees will. The biblical worldview points to human importance, redemption, salvation, and the glory of God forever and ever and ever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. Worthy is the Lamb and and he shall be praised. Here's the last thought I have for this deception before we go into our last one. Have you ever thought about how the world is going to explain millions of Christians disappearing in one moment? The devil, his demons, and the powers of this world right now are setting up for a secular explanation for the rapture. It's called an alien abduction. You're welcome. Hallelujah. That's all I'm saying about it, church. Now, don't you fight about it, but I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to get in God's word. What am I seeing? In the last days, they're going to be like the days of Noah. Okay, let's switch gears, okay, before we go. You ready? Whoops. Okay. Let's talk about the deception of socialism. I told you we're switching. Oh, praise God, I told you. Hey, I just want you to know I loved working here. It was a great time. Um, <laughs> seven and a half years as lead pastor, over ten years altogether. Loved being a youth pastor. It was wonderful. One of my youth kids, we uh, dedicated his baby today. Hallelujah. I love you. We miss you. But I'm moving somewhere warmer. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> uh, not really, but we'll see how this goes. I don't... With, with, with a sincere heart, I don't really care what people think. I care what God thinks, and I want to preach what he says, right? Lots of people have opinions. Everybody has their opinion. They have their agenda. They have their things that they want to do, and they want to talk, and they, they always have something. There's always something. But I have to listen to God, and I have to do what he says. And I believe there's a lot of things right now that is splitting and tearing apart the church. And this is just a minuscule of what is going on, but I felt like God wanted me to share that today, this morning. So here we go, the deception of socialism. Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, it's the last book of your Bible. This is an entire book of this, this guy named John who walked with, with, with Jesus, and uh, they couldn't kill him, so what they do? They isolated him, they sent him to an island, and uh, you know what? And he said, okay. He said, Wilson! Just joking. I like movies. Okay. Some of y'all get it. He, they even didn't have a volleyball, poor guy. Um, but he was uh, sent to an island. Hallelujah. Now you get it. Okay. Somebody takes a little longer, a little more clues to where I'm going. And, uh, but in, in Revelation, it's an entire vision of what Jesus gave him for the last days and what is going to happen in prophecies. The entire thing is prophetic. We're already seeing things happen in the first few chapters, but we're going to get into Revelation um, chapter 13, okay? Here's the last thing I'm going to talk about before we go today. By definition, socialism is a political uh, ideology, (laughs) same thing, um, that aims (laughs) to give workers shared ownership of tools, land, and buildings that they can use to make products or provide services. For those of you who think socialism is a good concept, please, please search your scriptures and do not be deceived. You have to ask God to help you have a biblical worldview by reading his word, not a secular worldview by watching and believing the news. I'm going to say that again. You have to ask God to help you have a biblical worldview by reading his word, not a secular worldview by watching and believing the news. The days of Noah will be much like the days we are in now, a day when ideologies like socialism can sneak in without much attention. A one-world order and a one-world currency is part of the prophesied end times. Ask anyone under communism, and they'll probably agree by saying this, socialism is an invasive weed planted by Karl Marx. Despite its catastrophic failures, it keeps spreading over the earth like a weed out of control. It sounds like a wonderful and great idea, but it always ends up in disaster and in destruction. It tears apart countries from the inside out. The last days 
demand a one-world system and a one-world power and a one-world control. Our current... What, do you just want to preach it? <laughs> that's literally where I'm going, brother. Okay. He said, they're trying right now. I was like, I know, that's why I'm preaching it. <laughs> You're exactly right. Our current world is demanding that now. That's literally my next sentence, brother. That's my next sentence is even in bold. All over the globe and even in the United States of America, many leaders and companies are trying hard in many ways to get socialistic concepts and ideologies to take over and rewrite our U.S. Constitution and overthrow our U.S. capitalistic foundation. That's happening right now. Revelation chapter 13, verses 7 and 8 says this. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. Verse 8. And all the people who belonged to this world worshipped the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Now, the Bible does not use the phrase one world government or does not say one world currency. You won't find that in the word just like you won't find um, a lot of things that we, we say. But we say things to describe what it actually tells us. These exact terms won't be in there when referring to end times. It does, however, provide ample evidence to enable us to draw the conclusion that both will exist under the rule of the Antichrist in the last days. Because socialism is tailor-made for the Antichrist for his appearance, his power, his influence, and his control. In, in his end-time vision, the book of Revelation, the apostle John, I just told you about, the guy that's at the island and having a vision from, from Jesus, and he writes it down, right? Um, and uh, in the Revelation, the apostle John sees the beast, all right? I'm, right now, I'm going to give you like a high level of a good section of Revelation, okay? You might have to watch it again and dis dissect it later because it's gonna be a lot right here in a second. Then I'm gonna bring, bring you back in to conclude. So in this end time vision of the book of Revelation, John sees the beast whom we identify as the Antichrist. And he's rising out of the sea having seven heads and, and 10 horns. That's Revelation chapter 13, first verse. Comparing this vision to Daniel, remember we talked about Daniel earlier, his vision in Daniel chapter 7, we can conclude between these two that some sort of world government or governance system will be inaugurated by the beast, the most powerful horn who will wage war against God's holy people and he will conquer them. We just read, read that in Revelation 13, 7, okay? The 10 Nation alliance is also seen in the statue of Daniel chapter 2 where the final world government consists of 10 entities. So whoever those 10 nations are and however they come to unite, scripture is clear that the beast will subdue three of them in Daniel chapter 7 and the rest will do his bidding. In the book of Revelation, John describes the ruler of this vast empire as having power and great authority given to him by Satan himself. Revelation 13, verse 2. This ruler receives worship from all of the world, verses 3 and 4, and will have authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. We just read that in verse 7. The person who truly will be the leader of the one world government like socialism or communism, they'll be recognized as sovereign over all other governments. They'll have complete control and rule. Now we see nations today willing to give up some of their sovereignty to combat climate change and try to gain world peace. I took a whole section out of this thing because I could preach like another 30 minutes about climate change and, and all this stuff, but I ain't going to go there right now because I don't got time. And by the way, world peace, you know when world peace will happen? After Jesus comes back, it'll never be peaceful because no one will always accept Christ. It will never be peaceful. There will always be war. War is terrible. Innocent people dying is horrible. But you know what? Evil people must die sometimes. Because they will never stop until they, they'll never stop killing the innocent. They won't. They'll never stop. So sometimes war is 
necessary. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us that. You don't believe it? Read the book of Joshua. Right? If you want to sit down and read it to your children before you go to bed at night, they're going to love it. Okay. And then he slaughtered all the people and the women and the children and all the animals and everybody was dead. Good night, sweetheart. Right? Can you leave a light on, mama? Oh, I love God's word. Hallelujah. Come on now. Why God do that? Because the evil would never stop, so you had to get rid of it. Right? That's just like in your life. There's something evil in your life, and it's been rooted into your life. You better rip that out, because it'll keep on growing. It'll keep on growing. You got to get rid of it. Lay it at the altar. Get altered at the altar and say, God, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I don't want any more. Amen. Amen. We see nations today willing to give up some of their sovereignty to combat climate change and try to gain world peace. So it's easy to imagine that the disasters and the plagues that are described in Revelation chapter 6 through 11 would create such a monumental world crisis that all the nations of the world would embrace anything and anyone who can promise a solution. Help us. There's disasters everywhere. We need an answer. And they'll look to somebody. Once entrenched in power, the Antichrist and the power behind him, which is Satan, will move to establish absolute control. He will do that by demanding worship and allegiance. And here we go. Satan edges toward his end goal that you can find in Isaiah 14. Satan's end goal is to be like God. Okay? Last two pages and I'm done. Now, to truly control people, what do you have to do? You have to control buying and selling. That's all you got to do. Buying and selling. You want to, right? You want to control people? Control buying and selling. Revelation 13 describes how this is going to happen. Everyone, great, small, rich, poor, free, slave, everybody, will be forced to receive some type of mark on their right hand or their forehead in order to buy and sell. Revelation 13, 16. No doubt the majority of the people in the world will receive the mark simply just to survive. This new system will commerce and will be universal. It'll be quick. It'll be associated with the worship of the beast, the Antichrist, verse 15. Those who are left behind after the rapture of the church will be faced with an excruciating choice. Accept the mark of the beast or face starvation and horrific persecution by the Antichrist and his followers. But those who come to Christ during that time, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life in Revelation 13, 8, will choose to endure even through martyrism. Martyrism. Okay, I've said a lot of words. I'm running out. Um, Which means you're going to die for what you believe in. Okay, saying all this, Socialism and communism is not of God. It does not support a godly ideology. Here's some examples. God tells us in his word to work hard. Why do you have to work hard if you're not going to get anything better? Right? You okay? Okay. Tells us to work hard. Respect other people's property by not stealing it. Why would that matter if you're in a communist or a socialistic country? Hey, what's yours is mine and mine is yours. Everybody's going to share. But the Bible tells us don't steal. Invest wisely like the parable of the talents. And work hard for your earthly bosses as if you're working directly for the Lord. Socialism will help set up the end time government, the antichrist control. God is our ultimate authority, not a government, not a single person, only Jesus. Church, I want you to be warned of all kinds of deception in the last days. Here's a verse. Colossians 2.8 says this. Don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love that. You ever argued with someone who just starts talking, they sound smart, you're like, that is so dumb. I don't even know what they're talking about. You ever, you ever talk to somebody like that? Oh, Stop. Just stop it. Just say you don't know. Just say it. Say, I don't know. Quit making stuff up. 
Praise God. Don't let it be captured with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world. Come on now. Rather, church, find that stuff from Christ. Brent, will you please come? Here's before I close. If you got notes, note takers are? History makers, that's exactly right. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down some uh, concepts you can study this week. If you want to go deeper into the times that you're living in and you don't want to be deceived, write these things down, do some research, get into your word, but here's some, some concepts, okay? Socialism, globalism, pandemics, economic chaos. I'm going to go back to the great falling away. I talked about that last week. The apostasy, that's what that is, official name. End time remnant, cancel culture, spiritual famine, the importance of Israel. Some of y'all might be asking, why do we stand with Israel? Because the Bible teaches us to stand with Israel, because that's God's holy people. You wouldn't be a Christian if we didn't have the Jews. That don't even make any sense. Why would you stand with anyone else? In In the scripture, why would you stand with anyone else? Even if our own country goes against Israel, why would you stand with anyone else? I I want the answer biblically. Okay, moving on. I feel better now. All right, what was the last thing? Importance of Israel, because it's their importance. You know, the church is raptured. All we have is Israel, the Jews, to preach, right? The good news of Jesus. They're like, ah, we missed it. The second coming we thought was the first coming, and now we realize we've missed it, so we're going to preach even unto death. Okay, the rapture of the church is another thing. And my favorite, the triumph return of King Jesus. Let me say it again. Socialism, globalism, pandemics, economic chaos, the great falling away or the apostasy, end time remnant, cancel culture, Spiritual famine, the importance of Israel. It sounds so much better when you're playing a sweet song, me saying all this. The rapture of the church and the triumphant return of King Jesus. See, church, God has gracefully... Will you stand, please? Unless you're writing, stay seated. It's okay. It's good. God has graciously filled his word with signs of the future to help us understand his purpose and his plans for us. That's how much God loves you. He didn't leave you hanging. The Bible helps us cut through the confusion and gives insight about God's plan. God has given us a firm understanding of what is really going on in the world and what will happen as we approach the end of the age. As you come to understand the truth about these signs, your faith will grow you'll live more confidently and you'll gain a new hope for the future. I want you to hear these words from Jesus as we go today. In John 16, 33, he says this, I have told you all of this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and you will have many sorrows. But church, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. Fear not, church. Understand the times you're living in. Amen. What a great time to preach the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to go. You're going to get in your word. You're going to be blown away. You're going to look to the sky and you're going to go, are you looking for aliens or are you looking for Jesus? Hallelujah. He's coming on a cloud and a white horse with fire in his eyes. Sword out of his mouth. Some who have tattoos believe that he has tattoos even on it. But some say it's a, a sash, but whatever. That's a side thing. You ain't going to hell if you got a tattoo. Okay, okay. Let's, let's just kill all kinds of things this morning. All kinds of religious things. Hallelujah. By the way, you can wear a hat in here. 
Did you know that we don't care if you wear a hat? That is an American thing, not a godly thing. If you're Jewish and you don't cover your head, that's disrespectful to God. But a lot of times you're like, well, how can they wear a hat in here? Well, that's just an American thing. That's nothing to do with the Bible. So make sure you read the Bible before you stand strong with some of your beliefs, okay? How disrespectful to what? The flag? I mean, we're at church. We're, we're, we're respecting God. The flag's next. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me pray for you before I get into more trouble. Nobody punch me while I'm hugging. Father, I thank you for protection. I thank you for salvation. And I thank you for your word. Your word is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. I thank you that it's, it goes deeper than bone and marrow. It gets to our soul and our spirit. I thank you for your word. God, we look into your word for answers. But first and foremost, the most important thing is, Jesus, we have you in our life. If we don't have you, we got nothing. If we don't serve you, we serve everything else. But God, we want to serve you. We want to know you and we want salvation. I pray for the ones that are questioning. Who is God and he doesn't have my life. If that's you today and you say, I don't have Jesus. And I'm in my life all over the place. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? I just want to agree with you in prayer. Say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life to bring a foundation. Just raise your hand right now. We're still praying. If you want to close your eyes, you can or whatever. If that's you today, say, I need Jesus. I just want to agree with you. Hallelujah. I see you. I see some hands going up. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Amen, Leo. You got Jesus, brother. Keep running to him. Keep running to him. Run away from the world. Run away from the world. Run to Jesus. Get into his arms, brother. All that hurt, all that pain from your childhood, all the things you walked through, he knows. And he loves you. He can set you free from it, brother. He knows. He has, he has the answer. And he loves you. Hallelujah. Father, before we go, I just thank you. I pray that you empower us right now to do what you called us to do. Because in the last days, it says you're going to pour out your spirit upon all flesh, the young and the old, men and women alike. No matter any tribe, tongue, or nation, you will pour out your spirit. There'll be signs and wonders and miraculous things happening. You'll give us dreams. You'll give us visions. And so I pray, God, that you give us a testimony upon our lips to go and to preach the good news. I believe in the end time rapture, but I believe there's a great uh, falling away, but I also believe in a great harvest of souls. We need it in America, God. Turn it around, Father. But I know that we can't, you can't turn it around until you, we turn our hearts to you. So we pray that right now we forgive us of our sins and the things that we've done. Thank you for no condemnation, but your conviction. We love you, we look to you, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.